Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to Cisco Champion Radio, direct from Cisco Live. Sponsored by The Network Intuitive. This week's host, Justin Cohen. This is Cisco Champions Radio at Cisco Live, Episode 1, The Network Intuitive, Innovations and Silicon. And uh, today I have Peter Jones with me, who everybody knows is the father of the, the 3850 platform and the, the UADP Doppler chip, and there's people watching outside, so that's this little guy. And uh, now we have the UADP 2.0, which isn't quite double the size, but uh, that's very cool. And I don't think there's a lot of those around, I've, I've heard. So I was in the 9400 session hey, this good morning. Good morning, Justin. It's lovely yes, to see good you morning. <laughs> We're in such a rush at Cisco Live. And, uh, and I, I have to say, you do look very fetching in your kilt. Oh, thank you. It is Kilted Monday. It is Kilted Monday. And I was told it was mandatory, so I had to wear it. So I was in this session this morning going over the new 9400 architecture. They kept talking about UADP2 and uh, all the things they're doing and, and the new architecture. So can you step back just a little bit and tell us about sort of how you guys got here? Because there was the platforms you had and this is like a whole new evolution. So give us an idea of where that started. So it's, it's been a long journey, right? So as you know, I started working on what became 3850 from day one. Right? So I actually started working on the 3850 project back in mid-2006 when we were dreaming up the new architecture. And at that stage, we were looking at you know, what do we do next? And at that stage, we, we made the choice because it was either like make it faster, right, make it cheaper, or make it flexible. Right? And so we saw very, very, on, very early on that we needed the ability to have the network evolve. And so you know, fast forward through a whole lot of twists and turns. So we launched the 3850 in you know, January 2013. I got to be that launch, and that was awesome. That was in London. And so if you think about that, that's like 400 years ago. And since then, we've brought out you know, different, the, we bought out the 3650, we bought out the fiber SKUs, we bought out the N-Gig SKUs. So you can imagine, we basically, we sort of packed up the 3850 family. Yeah? But you guys had to, pre, you thought ahead, right? All of the things that they're launching on the 3850, the new features we've been seeing, like this chip really hasn't changed that much, right? I mean, you guys thought up this and didn't plan for all these features, right? And, and here we are today with all these new features that you guys didn't so, even think of when you made I mean, that so chip. So if, if you look at the mini switch, Right. Yeah, and by the way, we'll, we'll put the link in the show notes, right? Because the mini switch has its own Twitter account. Yes, it does. So the mini switch that I'm carrying around currently has what we'd call UADP 1.0, right? So that's basically a cost-reduced version of the original chip we shipped. What's interesting is the stuff we're, we're announcing today, like all of the SDA features, they work on the 3050s we sold you in January 13. So January 13, customers went out and they bought UADP-based 3850s. They can do SDA features on those, and you didn't even think about it. No. It wasn't even the plan. We knew sort of where it was going, and we, so we built the right primitives. I mean, if you think about, about building Lego, right? When you build Lego, you just don't, there's certain shapes you put together so you can make something really interesting. Now, if you build, if you design the blocks correctly, if you put the infrastructure in, I can build things on top of it. 
And so you've got a great session on that too, if people haven't been yes. to it, right? Innovations in Silicon yes. is an amazing session if you want to listen to how this stuff was born. And, and, and when are you doing that one this week? And he's that looking is, at his phone. That's Thursday morning at uh, 10.30. Right, but it's recorded. So if people don't, don't see it and, or they're listening to this podcast later, they want to go back, it will be on Cisco Live 365. It will be on Cisco Live 365. And it's an amazing session for anybody who wants to see what goes on inside these switches. Um, it's a, that's that's BRKARC3467. Right. right, okay. And, that, and, and there we really go through, we go through how we build ASICs, what we put in them, and why it matters to people, right? Because right. someone just showing up and going, look, it's a chip, actually <laughs> means nothing, because you have to be able to connect it to a story. Right, and you guys do a great job of that in previous years. So this year's session, are you talking about the evolution? Are you talking about UADP2 in those sessions? Sure. You are, that's awesome. So um, people didn't even sign up for that knowing that that's what you're well, talking about. Yeah, and so we're, we're also, we'll be talking briefly about wireless as well. So we're looking again at, trying to basically explain to where we see the value proposition, right? Because we believe it's there, but unless we tell a story, it doesn't matter. Right, it's hard to explain to people why yeah. and how this little thing is so yeah. important. And so I'll, I'll give you some links later on. There's also a TechWise TV um, show that posted recently as well. Awesome, okay. So, so this is where you were. You guys have innovated like crazy on, the, on this platform with Doppler. Um, what drove you guys to go to the new platform with UADP2? So basically we looked at it and said, so you know, where are we hitting limitations and where else do we need to take this technology? So as you've probably seen, right, with the Cat 9K, it's one architecture up and down the line, it's one image up and down the line, and so we're running the same thing both on the access platforms, the 9300, which is the, you know, the, the access stackable, on the 9400, which is the modular access, and on the 9500. So the goal here is the same technology, so we can roll out feature consistency, and you can qualify the image once. Well, I think there's a, there's a level of quality we get from that too. If you look at, um, go back to look at iOS when you're running on different routing platforms and, and all sorts of things. Yeah, the iOS core was kind of the same, but each different platform had different versions of code, and it, it results in more bugs and more issues well, when you have different tr it's code trains. Bugs, it's also things don't work quite the same. Right. And so I think my, the way I tend to think about this is in the early days of any market, you build lots of different things. I think as your market gets more mature, you have to slim down because you want to basically deliver more, you know, it's a mature market. And I think where we're seeing is the stuff that we designed and thought about, you know, back in 2010-ish, sort of that's now coming to fruition. So 3850s, the stackables, right? 3650, they're, they're my favorite switches. By the way, you've seen the 3650 Mini, right? Yes, I have, yeah. That, that got built because I was in Australia talking to people, and they explained the problem, and they showed me a picture that someone, they showed me a picture of a rack that the uh, Telstra in Australia had designed that was on an angle, so they could fit a switch inside a small cabinet. And they said to me, you know, this is not good. Yeah. So it's like, okay, is it just these guys? Like, no, lots of people have small racks. And so that's a case where we went out, talked to our customers and said, what's the problem you're having? We went and designed a box to suit that need. But I mean, you didn't have to create a whole new chip for that. You guys yeah. created new, you know, new metal, yeah. new connectors. Sure. Um, new, uh, I mean, this goes back to, if you've got the right Lego, you can assemble it lots of different ways. Right, so it's a, it's a modular platform, right? I mean, you guys are focused on building these modular platforms that can grow and build over time. I, I wouldn't use the word modular because people normally think of that as a modular switch, right? Right, I, and I'm thinking modular yes. architecture yes. inside the ASIC where you can program in, heavily program, heavily programmable yes. um, 
ASICs, and, and, I'm, and this is tri trivia, I'm sure, and I don't remember the exact number, 15 ingress programmable stages, eight egress programmable stages. Yeah, we, we added another couple in, in 2.0. <laughs> so I think yeah. that's, that's the numbers from 1.0, um, 1.1. Oh, okay. And so yeah, we threw a couple more stages in. So you, yeah, so those are the stages we can program as, as they come yeah. up with these new things. And, um, and with UADP2, there's 256 bytes for header. Yep. So whatever, new protocols that come out. In general, we're going to be able to deal with it. There are some limitations, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with Geneve. Geneve uh, is a protocol you often see in the data center. In okay. theory, you can put a lot of metadata in, and right. they can put it ahead of the header. So we figure most of the useful header is in that first 256 bytes. Well, that's the push with IPv6, right? Is that um, is the new the flow header inside IPv6? Yeah, but, but that's not that big. Right? Most of those headers are pretty small. I mean, even if you look at you look at NSH, you look at VXLAN GPE, um, they're not that big, right? You, you're pushing hard to get above 110. So one of the things I noticed um, in the new architecture with the 9400 is they're actually putting multiple UADP2 chips. Sure on a supervisor, and we didn't do that before. Like, there wasn't any platforms, please correct me, with more than one Doppler. Yeah, there were. There, which ones were those? All the 10 gig platforms. All the 10 gig platforms? All the 10 gig platforms. I stand corrected. Actually, so, strictly speaking, you sit corrected. Right, okay, oh so. yeah, <laughs> correct. So if you go back to the original 3850, yep. the original Doppler we built was actually basically 24 by one gig plus two by 10. Right. So the original 48 port Doppler had two chips in it. Oh, okay. And so then, then basically, what we did when we came up with 1.1, was we, we took the process down and we put two in a box. Right. So the 1.1 chip effectively has two Doppler cores in it. Because the original, so this Doppler you're holding has how many cores? Two. That's a two core, and this? It, that's also a two core, but with more, more integration. More integration. So, so the original role with this one, with the 1.1, was we basically, so when we went from 1.0 to 1.1, we added MaxSec 56, we added um, PGP stuff, we added 40 gig interfaces, and we made it go faster. And so now you can pin out the 1.1 either as 48 by 1 plus 4 by 10, some number of 40s, or 16 by 10. So yeah. th and then you go from there. So that, that drove that next generation of all the 10 gig fiber SKUs and the M gig SKUs. So one of the things that, that Chuck was talking about in the keynote earlier today was pushing analytics and this kind of stuff right out to the edge. Sure. So there had, was there some consideration in the new platform for having to deal with that kind of computing capability? Yeah, I mean, that's part of the reason why, if you take a look, we've significantly increased the CPU footprint in the system. Previously, we were running um, like MIPS cores, and we might run full gear RAM, right? The new ones are basically got a fairly powerful Intel CPU in them, bigger RAM, bigger flash, and also the ability for SSD. Right. So there is a, there, absolutely, we plan to be pushing some containerized applications out to the edge. Well, they're talking about like a terabyte capable storage inside a 9400 you know, modular switch at the edge and running analytics right in the 9400 platform. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because my guess is there's be a set of stuff that makes real good sense to do at the edge. There'll be a set of stuff that makes sense further back in the network. You know, but they talk about, it's, it's about capturing that data and delivering analytics. These are not switching concepts for you, someone who's spent you know, a lifetime actually, doing these. No, actually, I thoroughly disagree with you there. Okay. Because... One of the things that I spent a lot of time on the original Doppler was arguing for more visibility into the system. And so what we're going to get to is we, we had a lot of visibility in Doppler that we couldn't figure out a way to get exposed. This is going to let us get that stuff exposed and consumed. So, 
You so have to be able to tell people how the system is running. And so you want, you want to get to the stage where when someone rings up with a problem, the tech guy says, got you already. Right, because now it, it's, it's getting, that, getting that solution faster, getting the solution of issues faster, and being able to track down information. And if you look at um, how Cisco is building out the network as a sensor, yeah. right, that's a key component to network as a sensor moving forward is to having the visibility, so we're not just moving packets, but we're watching you, them. You've got, you got to have the visibility so you can see how the network is running normally, so you can try and figure out when you, what you need to change where, so you can see problems coming up. I mean, it, once you get the visibility, then you can trend your network, right? I mean, so NDP's the data platform is going to help you do that. So you've got, you've got three different platforms that, that they've yep. announced. So 93, the, 94, 95. 93, so the 93 is your fixed. The, ni the 93 is the, is the stackable access box. Right, up so or down, up, that's up the, picks up. The, sort of the new, the next generation of the 3850, for yes. lack yes. of a better term. And they're on the floor here, so people can yep. see them. Uh, the 9400, so seven slot, 10 slot. It's kind of your 4500 next generation. Yeah, and so if you think about the 9400, the we wanted to move towards the common data plane and OS, but we also had to keep the value proposition of the 4500. Right. right. The 4500 resiliency is just awesome. And people who buy it love it. Yeah, and that, I think that there's a cost savings, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think the cost, there's a cost savings to doing the switching the way they're doing it. So we're not switching on the card, um, we're, we're switching up through the supervisor it's, and, and... Yeah, it's, so it's, again, it's, like, it's similar to the CAT 4500 where basically the line cards have very little information on them and everything is done in the soup. And part of, the, is part of the reason for doing it that way is it makes the re resiliency really easy, right? Because all the brains is on the soup, so when you swap over from, the, from active to standby, everything just works. And not, not just that, we, we can also replace the supervisor and basically get a whole new switch. Sure. So we could put a, a, a different chip on there, new features, new functionality by just replacing the soup, sure. and we're retaining our investment on the line cards. Sure. So I don't know if you've ever heard the thing, right? There's a, there's a saying that says, I have my grandfather's ax. Yeah. Yes, right. Um, my father replaced the handle and I replaced the head. Exactly, yeah. So, so CAT, CAT 4K is right, if they're in there, if you've got a certain style of room, they just work beautifully. So how, does, how, do the, how do the two platforms differ when you talk about programmability? Because everyone's, this is the new thing, right? Everyone wants to do software-defined everything, programmability, push down. You know, I am not a programmer, I, I will admit it, right? I'm an old school so, network so, guy. So let, let's pick apart programmability, right? Because programmability is one of those nice words that runs around. So when we talk about programmability with UADP, we're talking about fundamentally changing the way we forward packets, right? You've probably heard the pitch before. The chip doesn't know what an IP packet looks like. Right. right? So we teach it. So when we built it, VXLAN didn't exist, right? We added the capability by changing microcode. Now we changed the microcode, we then changed all the iOS stuff around it to support that feature. So that's programmable hardware, or maybe what we should call is hardware that can evolve. Now, when they say programmability in the bigger sense, what they're normally talking about is they want to have a program run your network, right? Because we used to basically have, it used to be basically a person to computer interface, right? That was the CLI. And right. people scripted it with all sorts of nasty ways, like there was expect and there's all those things. Today, you really want to get a higher level so you can basically say what you want and have it done for you. Because yeah. programs are really good at doing the same thing lots of times. Well, what we want to do is program business intent into the network, right, instead of programming in actual code and then getting away from using things like cat tools to get what we want done, right? You talk about some of those tools. Um, and, and looking at the, the new iOS XE architecture, right, they're talking about doing um, 
your iOS D blob and then having subsystems and, for these things. And so we've been on, the, on this path for a while. We're just getting better. And the real difference that comes in now is the focus on externally useful APIs with things like Yang and, and a model, right? Because the CLI is a, real, is a reasonable human to computer interface, but it's a lousy computer to computer interface. Yes. Right? A Yang model is a much better interface. And so what we're trying to do is expose key functions at the right level of abstraction. So when you want to do business intent, you really don't want to tell me exactly where to forward a MAC address, right? That's not interesting. You really don't tell me exactly which MAC address has to, or IP address has to get um, an ACL on it. You want to be able to say, this class of user yeah. goes in this forwarding topology yep. and can talk to that class of user. You know, I hate to bring up a comparison with other product lines, but you know, a great comparison of that kind of intent is if you look at what Meraki is doing around switching and intent, where you literally say, this client on my Meraki network, give it this policy. I don't care where it's plugged in. It'll follow that client as it moves around. I don't program a port. I just program the policy against an object. I think that's... Well, in our, I mean, in our case, that's going to be, we still use ICE as the key part of this. Right. But it's going to be ICE and DNA Center. Because right. again, you want to basically, you want to eventually get, for people, you want to get them on their, on their authentication and you want to put them in the right policy and the right group. And I for think... things, it gets more interesting. And I, I, we're going to do another session this week and talk about, talk with Dave and I think we're going to, I'm going to hopefully quiz him a little bit more on DNA Center and, and how the whole architecture looks sure. a little bit more because I think that's where the key is, is we're going to bring all of it together um, into a single interface because nobody wants to do what's well, APIC over here and it's ICE over here and it's this other tool over here, a whole bunch of automation platforms. I want the one view. The way, it, it gets a little interesting. Yes, I, I hear that, but there's also, there is going to be DNA Center, there is going to be ICE, there is going to be NDP. These guys will talk to each other. Right. But the, but the goal is to eventually make your life simpler. You go, how, how can we be simple with more platforms? And the answer is, they do different jobs. So, what you want to have is, we, we need all these things to help you run the network and help you optimize the network. And so I think the investment into these things is going to give us a better way to run it. So before we, before we close out, I want to talk really briefly about what were the design constraints when you guys sat down to build UADP2? Was there, what was there five bullets on a, on a whiteboard? What was it? So, or is that two inside baseball? Uh, not really. Um, so you know, it's long. So the original design constraints when we started with two okay. was figuring out a way to support a 9400-like architecture. Right? It's like, how can, we, how can we take something that's built for stacking and graft it into a 9400 and give it about the same look and feel? Okay, yeah. So there's actually two different ASICs in the 9400. Right. There's the big one you're seeing here, which, which we're showing as UADP 2.0. Right. right. Internally, we tend to call it Doppler D. Right. There's another one called Doppler G that's on the line cards. Okay. Right? Because that's basically, you know, there's the interface from the supervisor, talks to the line cards. That's a, that's a trunked interface. And on the line cards, there's another small, smaller Doppler, which is basically doing the pan out, pan out for the ports. So you guys had to figure out how to move into a modular architecture. That's a yeah. big step to take this platform, but it's amazing that this, this thing that started as a 1U stackable, you guys said, you know what, it's so good the way we were doing things, let's figure out how to do it on a so modular from platform. From some points of view, it's actually, there are, there are some things that are easier about it. Um, a distributed forwarding system is more complicated than centralized forwarding. Sure, right? yeah. And so if you have it distributed, you can usually figure out centralized, which is what you have to do. The tricky thing with, a, with that model is you've got to figure out a way to make sure that you can get your resiliency up, because the 4K is known for its resiliency and it's great swap over. 
Yeah, and they mentioned in the 9400 session, which you can go back and watch on, online, that they were saying that the 9400 fails over just like a 3850. Like if you understand the 3850 and you understand the whole stacking, they said the line cards just kind of stack like a, you know, like. Uh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have described it that way. I would have said it differently. It, but, it, but it's similar in, in, in how it functions. The backplane is, is passive, right? So, the, yeah, the backplane in the 9400 is passive, right? And so yeah. what you actually have, if you look down actually on the system, you have three UADP 2.0s on the board, and they're basically hooked together in a ring on the board. Right. right? And so the, the, it's just traces. And that's running at uh, 720 gig. I believe that's correct, yeah. yeah. Actually, well, 720, so, so I would actually say the original stack ring was 240 gig, but 480 was spatial reuse. This right. one is 720, and twice that was spatial reuse. So, the, so modular, so you guys had to figure out a way to expand into modular. What else did you guys have? Um, where to invest more, right? And it's basically, sort of, this was a few years ago, we're trying to figure out where the, where the pain points were and invest in them. So do you kind of look at where you hit limitations? Because with this guy, you guys look forward heavily. Yep. What, what, let's add stuff in there so we can program it up later. Did you look at where you, oh man, we should have put more of yep. this or more of that. And then you said, we knew we ran out of this yep. last time. Let's put a whole bunch extra. Yeah, and, like, and so then the, the case is always you have to figure out, you know, what's the, what's the cheapest, sim simplest thing you can do that will actually solve your needs? And what else do you add because you know you have to have more? And so it's, it's a trade-off, right? And the, and, and things change in time, right? Sometimes there were things we were going to add that get pulled out later on. And there's, there's, usually, there's always stuff that we have that doesn't make it, right? So there's some things that we built in the original UADP that we rebuilt it again later on and we eventually killed it because they didn't work. Right, yeah, and I think we've heard in other sessions where, where you guys worked on features and, yeah. and it just the performance couldn't go there, so you guys, ah, oh, we won't program that in. Yeah. But you didn't promise it in the first place, so it's okay. Well, the world changed. Yeah, that's very but, cool. So the way I tend to think about it is, Okay, so people like to think that switches will like have a four-year life cycle, right? What's your life cycle of your switches? Okay. It, the, the fact that you guys really looked forward. Sure, and for so the, the thing I was trying to make is, okay, so imagine that you, okay, life cycle of switches, right? Yeah. We'd like it to be four years. It's more like eight, nine, ten. That, that's quite the statement. Well, so what do you see? What do you well, see? I, you know, I think my customers, I have customers that still have 3750s in production today. Yeah. So some of those are approaching 10 years old. So customers don't want to be buying or rebuying equipment every you you five years. You don't want to change infrastructure because you built your company on top of it, right? Exactly. Okay, so look back 10 years and look at the network and then look forward 10. Right. So our job is to try and build something that can change as your business changes because your business is not going to stay the same. That's quite the ask. That's the goal. Otherwise, how do you run your business, right? Your business has to change and can't be constrained by your network. The, the network has to support the business. So the design goal was, where do we think, what do we think we're going to need for our customers in 10 years? Well, you guys must have some serious forward-looking capabilities in order to come up with that uh, capability. Um, but you guys did it with the 3850 platform in amazing style, adding features that yeah. weren't even there. And, and, and the, the point being is like, SD access comes on the 3850, right? So the right. thing that we just introduced works on the first, ship we, first switch we shipped. Yeah, and that's, that's amazing. So the, 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 uh, the money that customers have spent, that investment that is promise, being held. That promise we made, we yeah. delivered. Well, I think you guys have over-delivered on the promise, if I'm fair, because you never promised half of these features that customers are getting with their 3850. No, but we did say, we, at the time we introduced, we said this is a programmable switch, right? And the goal is to have it grow with you. Right. And so we invested in flexibility because we knew that would give us the ability to evolve. But you didn't promise VXLAN. No, we you didn't know, promise didn't, exactly You didn't promise things. wireless. You didn't promise, <laughs> you know. But no, but we promised the fact that this switch would grow with you. And what yeah. you're seeing is that. And we're saying, 
we looked at that. We looked at what we've done in the 3850 and said, how can we make it? Okay, how can we take that into a form factor that will feel like a 4500? Yeah. And how do we basically let it grow? Because the 9300 really replaces the copper 3850s. Right. The 9500 replaces the fiber skews. Right. We said, how can we take these another level across? And as as the tagline says, right, it's the new era of networking. So I'll, I'll encourage everybody to go and look at the architecture sections that are on Cisco Live 365 um, for the 93, 94, 9500 to learn about them because yeah. the architecture sessions are great. Um, they should definitely hit up your uh, silicon session. What's it called again? The title? Uh, it's innovation in sil in silicon for routing and switching or something. Just search for Peter yeah. Jones in the session catalog and watch all of yeah. those, and then they'll they'll see your session. So, so the other one that you, that you might want to point out is that Techwise TV has just put out a bunch of shows on this topic. Yeah, Rob Boyd and yeah. and, uh, Lauren. and Lauren, uh, who is a great friend of our program, um, are running TechWise TV, and they have great content on this stuff as well. So, so yeah, they, they pushed out a bunch of stuff last week, and so I think there's like five five show, studio shows. Five of them last week. Well, I'm going to have to make sure that Lauren tells the TechWise TV people that they have to give us a plug because we plug TechWise. So uh, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you coming down and, and talking with us today on the floor about this uh, new innovation and the stuff you guys have been doing because it's it's really yeah, cool. It's really so. This is for me. This is like this is the continuation of what I've been working for because the thing that gets me going is building stuff that you get to use. So now we're seeing the value that we that we put put in getting delivered because I have no interest in building something that doesn't get used. Yep. Now the fact that this is going to get used, the fact that basically we're building in. The SD access is coming, right? The, the data platform is coming, right? Dave will probably tell you about ETA, which is the enhanced threat analytics, right? We can do detection of apps inside, inside encrypted tunnels. Yeah, Chuck talked about that in his, in his keynote, yeah. And that, all that stuff is going to roll over. And I think what that's going to let our customers do is build a better network to support the business. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I steal your saying all the time, and it's the, the days of scratch and sniff on packets is over. Yes. And I use that all the time when I talk to my clients because it really is the truth. So that visibility into encrypted flows is important. So um, we're going to have more sessions this week with Dave. Uh, we have a session coming up this afternoon with, um, with uh, Cisco Tac Ops. We're going to talk yep. about the cool stuff they're doing. Um, so I really appreciate you coming down. It was nice talking to you. So awesome, Peter, Justin. Peter Jones, uh, distinguished speaker, uh, one, of the, one of the team that built the the UADP platform and go and look up his Inba sessions. NBASE Alliance, Chairman. Oh, and the NBASE Alliance. So if you if you like MGIG, uh, very much involved in the MGIG team at the NBASE Alliance. So uh, go and look in the catalog for his sessions. And uh, that's a wrap for Cisco Champions Radio at Cisco Live, Episode One: The Network Intuitive Innovations in Silicon. Thank you for listening to Cisco Champion Radio podcast. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.